Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me as always is Trevor Scott. Hello. Do you know, after 80 episodes, I'm still never quite sure what to do after you say your name. What do we say? What do we start? Do we just jump into the game? Do we do a little recap of our week? I don't know. Who, what, who wants to hear what? What do you guys want to hear? Tell us. You want Tell to us hear what you should do. I was on the radio the other night. Okay. Uh, so I play in a <laughs> band and we got invited onto three triple R here in Melbourne. And at midnight on Monday, I jumped into the studio in Brunswick with literally jumped, literally those jumped. Fir- and those are our first two words, band jump. Um, <laughs> go on, go on, tell you I got nervous as all hell, even though I sit in front of a microphone every Wednesday and yeah, well, there's a difference between doing it live. <laughs> we yeah. get to edit. We get to edit all the stuff out, like that whole story you just said about the uh, being on the radio, and now nobody knows why we're talking about this. No, I'm just kidding. I won't edit that out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. All right, that was enough banter. Let's fucking play click pitch. <laughs> all right, three, two, one, click. Are you going to tell people what the fucking game's no, about? No, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. Fine, click pitch. Yeah, okay. For those who may have not have listened to the last 79 plus and sundry episodes uh click pitch is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us and on the count of three two one click like i just did prematurely uh we will each click refresh and get a new word and we'll say those words out loud and whatever pops into our head that becomes a game design unless we decide to you know fuck it off like we did a few times last week (laughs) well you know there were some game designs in there they were just bad game designs (laughs) yeah but that's the whole name of the game so three two one click three two one click Tending flu. Tending flu. So hmm. I'm going to let you choose which flu it is, whether it's an F L U E alien or not, or whether it's F L E U W. Oh, E W. Okay. Well, there's three types of flu we could have here, right? Yeah. It could be a chimney flu. Yep. Uh, it could be the influenza. Yeah. The influenza, <laughs> or it could be something flying. Um. Okay. Tending and tending, just taking care of, or like sort of tendencies, I guess, tending towards. I'm, um, I'm actually leaning towards that you're taking care of someone that has the flu. Okay. Um, but I want to put a little wrinkle on this. Do it. You're a kid, so that you're, um, you know, you can barely reach up to the countertop and all this sort of stuff. So you're, you're trying to make breakfast and stuff, and you can barely see. And oh god, you know, rather- this feels like a this feels like a serious game to start off, like a, a child having to tend to their sick parent or something, yeah. or guardian. There could be some real drama there, you know. A fire starts at, starts in the kitchen. <laughs> Can the kid reach up, up to <laughs> oh get the fire extinguisher? Well, I think how would you do the gameplay in something like this, right? Because obviously, like unfortunately, there are a lot of opportunities for comical gameplay. Uh, <laughs> with a child fumbling over things and, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of picturing VR, but with really short hands or something. Can you, actually, that'd be really interesting in VR. This is, this is not necessarily for this game, mm-hmm. but I'm just picturing a mechanic in VR where you do have, maybe it's a T-Rex game where you have really short arms. And so, like, <laughs> obviously you can move your own arms as long as you want, but it basically uses, like, inverse kinematics so that your actual hands in the game, like, they point towards where you're reaching, but they don't reach very far, so you really have to lean your whole body to, like- 
That would totally suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it'd be awesome. It'd be like an Octodad kind of thing where, but you're a T-Rex. You're just wandering around trying not to knock things with your giant head. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got the flu. Uh, and you've got a little kid taking care of you. That's how that game would work. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like the idea of um, the VR. <clears throat> uh, I'm thinking that you could have lots of sort of puzzles where you've got to be able to to see up. So, therefore, you know, you, you're looking at what you can move around to stand on top of and mm. effectively, you know, you're, I, I- you're thinking of a, of a puzzle game within, within three dimensions. Mm, okay. I guess it does really come down to the tone, right? Because you could tell quite a um, solemn story about a kid having to take care of their sick parent. And, like, we started with flu, but maybe it's, you know, or maybe it's, like, full on, um, what's the lung thing <laughs> that comes from the flu? Um, emphysema. Emphysema. You know, Bronchitis. Pro- pro- progressed to full on emphysema or something. So, I was, like, literally someone that's bedridden and can barely move. But for whatever reason, the only person to care of them is this kid. Like, maybe you're out in the wilds of nowhere or something where there's no one to help and it's, like, snowing outside and you can't get to the nearest town. Like, that could be a really solemn game where you're basically watching this parent slowly die and, and maybe you're, take care you're of them. you're thinking of uh, pneumonia rather than emphysema. Yes, pneumonia. That's the one. I'm going to cut <laughs> that in. Pneumonia. Just needed a clean version there. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. It's got to be It's got to be a lot more robotic. Pneumonia. <laughs> That's not how editing works, Joe. <laughs> you don't have to be a robot. Um, I'll, I'll just auto-tune it in. Pneumonia. <laughs> but just make sure you get those real, real heavy steps so that it, like, yeah. it really Yeah, I'm not even going to try to do it in my voice. You all know it. Yeah, so you could, you could have that tone, but then I feel like, a puzzle game where you have to, like, figure out how to push a chair to reach, you know, to be in the right position so the books you've put in place will let you get up high enough uh, to, you know, reach the drip to put the dead drugs in that they need every three hours. <laughs> like, it's kind of a bit of a mismatch of, uh, yeah. Physically of tone versus um, mechanics. having to go to the PC, look up the um, look up the phone number for, for like, the, the local doctor. And then move, go over to the rotary phone because I'm thinking that, like, <laughs> that's all they happen to have, so that you get that sort of feeling mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. It's it's maybe they're uh, yeah maybe they're just it's a very low technology out in the woods cabin right like it's just <laughs> a 56k modem or even 96 board or something like that <laughs> just barely enough to get on the internet. <laughs> or maybe they have to look at an actual phone book. <laughs> remember remember those things. That's right. They there put, was a thing called the yellow filled, pages or the white pages. They just filled books up with phone numbers. Um, God, I haven't thought about them for fucking years. The only time we think about them is when a new one arrives on your doorstep still. And they're just tiny now because it's just like the three companies who still pay for it or whatever. Anyway, I think there is a game there um, that could tell an interesting interesting story. I just, I'm not sure how the mechanics would go to really do that story justice, you know? Is it just a very narrative story-based game? Where narrative story-based kind of- game. I think at one stage, I'm thinking social services turn up because yeah, you haven't well, been they going to school. Might, yeah. Um, and so, you know, you've got to put on like an elaborate um, Home Alone style ruse to- Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> just to really drive home that l- wonderful juxtaposition between jamming 
game mechanics into this like super serious game about your parent dying. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's just lean let's just lean into it. Let's just lean into it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to like so you have to like go through your old VHS collection of all the times when you all the happy times <laughs> with your mother and cut together her saying like, no, it's okay. Timmy is not going to school today. <laughs> and it's just with an old tape recorder. Like, yeah. Like, like it's cutting in between and you, the gaps are all screwy. And- oh, you know what? You know what you've actually got as well? Like you got one of those old tape recorders that has a microphone. So you have to like hold the microphone up to the, um, up to the speaker. <laughs> right. Yeah, it totally. Like, and it's because it's it's VR, so you you actually record it based on the position of the microphone yep. to the you know, and so it, to the it, detect, it detects if you didn't have it loud enough at a certain point, then it, you get you get dodgy audio. You have to record over the top and try to get the timing right to actually like <laughs> you have cut to it rewind in. and all that sort of stuff just to get yeah. it in the right yeah. place. Totally. Yeah, I mean, what what other sort of you know, we could put it in a duck hunt mini game where you literally have to hunt ducks because you were completely out of food and starving to death. <laughs> Except you've got that cute little dog that is, you know, yeah, laughing you've got your cute you little miss. dog. <laughs> you've got your cute little dog who laughs at you and you miss, and you can shoot it and then eat it because you are starving to death. And then you you have to cook your dog. And there's a little cooking mini game. <laughs> <laughs> and three to one click. Yeah. Bow or. Bow. Analyst. Huh? Oh, okay. All right. My mind immediately goes to another VR game just because using a bow and arrow in VR is so much fun. Yeah, uh, but never is analyzing old. a bow and arrow as much fun? <laughs> well, by analyzing it, if it means you get to test it out, then yes. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it's like a game where you're- Yeah, so you're a bow analyst. And maybe it's an analyst in the sense of like a consultant who's been brought in- to this company who makes bows and arrows oh, yeah. to spice to spice up their product, like sales have been flagging. They're one of the they're one of the best bow and arrow producers in the country, but they just they can't capture you know the youth market with their <laughs> exciting bows and arrows. And so you can make suggestions. Like every time a, a bow and arrow comes out, you can make suggestions on how to change it, and it could almost be like a I mean, not quite a genetic algorithm sort of thing, but <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, you get a bow and arrow that comes out and you fire it a few times and you go, all right, um, the, the, it needs to be uh, the, the springier or something. Uh, I, right? was, I was literally picturing right then a spore-esque game in which you create, create your bow and arrow. And then mm-hmm. um, you see those bow and arrows out in the wild, and then you out can- in the wild. <laughs> well, I'm kind it's of thinking of it in a spore-like way, in that, or a genetic algorithm way, in that you're not specifically designing these bows and arrows. You're saying, you know, make it, make the make the point a little bit more poisonish. <laughs> like you've got attributes that you can apply to this bow and arrow to different aspects of it, or maybe you don't even get to say it's on the point. You just say like. I want it to be springier. And then the next one that comes out has like a springy arrow and the bow hasn't <laughs> changed. And so like as, when you try to fire it, you've, it's like wobble, 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 like wobbling up and down and you have, like you find it and it just like goes flying randomly. And so you're like, all right, make it a bit stiffer. <laughs> and then it's got a string that you can't actually pull because it's a stick. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm just picturing all these different ways and particularly with the arrows and stuff like, I don't know, you fire an arrow and arrow and streamers come out or just weird shit that you could do. 
explore every explore every aspect of what a bow and arrow can be while still being a bow and arrow, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to shoot people with them. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I, I've I've got in my head like. You know, the the whole um, scene of, like, in cartoons where someone pulls out a gun and someone pulls out a bigger gun and then there's, like, you know how, cra- how crazier it gets as, as they go bigger and then one person yes. pulls out one that has, like, three maces on the side. <laughs> I love the idea. Basically, yeah. I love the idea that, yeah, you, you say, oh, I want it to be a bit bigger and it comes out and you literally have to, like, use a giant stick or, like, grab an arm to, to reach up and you're looking up. Trying to aim it with one hand and pull the pull the arrow back with the other hand on the on the end of this giant long stick, um, just so you can fire. Well, actually, what I was thinking is that you got to put your feet into the um into the bow and pull back with both hands, like. (laughs) 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 And then you let go of the wrong thing, and the bow smacks you in the face. (laughs) Your knees just snap backwards. (laughs) Less tension. Now, of course, the other way we could take it is is bow analyzer, and you uh, you have to say how good someone's bow is. Bow deeper, or you've got another type of bow analyzer, and you're you're looking at how someone ties a bow onto a present. <laughs> or you've got the other type of bow, and you're analyzing the front of ships. Yes, yeah, so I was going to go there too. Three, two, one, click. <laughs> or <laughs> you're analyzing the next Laura Bow mystery. Adventure game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, three, two, one, click. Lid. Upgrade. It's a very gamey word, upgrade. It is, isn't it? Now, how do you upgrade a lid? <laughs> All it needs to do is, like, <laughs> go on to something and stay there. Seal it up. So, it's like a genome sort of game. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it could um, be an eyelid. It could be an eyelid. Eyelid upgrades. Um, I'm not sure what sort of eyelid upgrades you could get to your eyelids. You could put a screen on the inside so that you can watch TV. While well, you what I'm thinking is that um, it's it's part of you know maybe with all these upgrades, the eyelid becomes like something that isn't isn't required so much anymore, and so because you've got like little misters that keep your eye moist. Yeah, something like that. Um, I, I'm thinking that it's. You know, sort of that one of those te- technology gone gone wild sort of games. Mm, mm, okay, so it's Black Mirror the game. Yeah, pretty much. How can we take a specific technology revolving around the eyelid and show the good and ultimately the bad sides of it taking off in society? And becoming well, I think it's um, if you remember the episode of Futurama where they had the iPod, uh, which was. Literally a device that they like pulled apart the <laughs> pulled your eyelid apart and like shoved this device in behind your eye and then you could um then you could like look at uh, screens and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking that it's it's around that sort of um that sort of t- style technology from from maybe yeah. a point of view of someone who is uh, almost like a, a technophobe sort of thing. They don't they don't like technology. All right, I've, this this could be really interesting if they embedded augmented reality on the inside of your eyelids, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you're walking around out there with your eyes open like normal, the world is normal. But you close your eyes and your augmented reality's on and it's just like, and I'm always picturing it coming down like that eyelid coming down over your eye to to reveal uh, the the augmentations to reality. The digital world sort of thing. The digital world that's overlaying the real world. Ooh. 
That could be that could be really cool. But what's super fucking creepy about that for someone who doesn't have it is all these people are walking around with their eyes closed from your point of view. Yeah. Because they're just looking at this augmented world. And, like, they've got camera- There's, like, cameras built into their eyelids and shit, right? So, they can still, obviously, just walk around the way they normally would be. But if they want to stay in the digital realm, then they, ha- that they keep their eyes closed. So, I'm thinking halfway through the game, you go undercover and get mm. one of these um, implants installed mm-hmm. so that you can actually see what's going on in this, in this world. And you start noticing that um, with- with this world, people in the augmented reality can actually, like, put um, sort of filters on themselves to to make themselves look yeah. different. Sort yeah, of like very, a, um, very Snow Crash or um, like an avatar, basically. Yeah, like an avatar. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking that because you've never seen these sort of things, like, people have got, like, devil horns and, and all this sort of stuff, and you, you could actually have, like, a really freaked out first delve into, into the techno world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'd, take I'd, it to almost a nightmarish place that you know everyone else is just used to it, but um, like this world is like fully fucked up, almost like oh, yeah. um, almost like, like a like scene it- from Hellraiser or something like that. Well, it'd be like it's, it's because obviously with the internet, like it'd be fucking four chan, but in VR, like but real. Fuck. Um, so yes, yeah, so it'd be it'd be fucking nightmarish. Yeah, I I really I really like this idea. So let's let's think about it a bit more. What. So your characters are technophobe. I like yep. that. They don't have it at the beginning. What is their job? Like, what is their role in this game? Why? Why have they? Like, I like. I do like the idea that they're having to investigate. You know, I mean, which takes you down that usual road of they're a cop or something. But I feel like we could, I feel like we want to do something a little bit different than that. Okay. So maybe they're maybe they're investigating something like off the like under the table off the book like for their own purposes. What What I like is that they were born into like a into basically a resistance group. Who mm-hmm. like an so anti-technology, an anti-technology sort of thing? Neo Luddites. Um, yeah, they they pretty much uh, grew up, and they're um, not necessarily religion as such, but their beliefs is that the technology is is bad, and you sort of get indoctrinated into into this whole um, no technology thing. Yeah, and so as part of that, you know, you you realise that I, I'm thinking that maybe either your parents or or your um, your friend gets either attacked by by people who are in the middle of like a, a techno uh, techno dream or you know something mm. like that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Well, so you- okay. That's a, well. That's a good. That, that's a good place to start. Is let's figure out other than people creepily walking around with their eyes closed. Like, what are the things that? How is this affecting society negatively? Well, the fact that uh, Fortnite is always accessible just by closing your eyes. <laughs> You got people running around just like destroying buildings for resources. <laughs> no, you're in a game. You're in the game. Someone's playing Grand Theft Auto for real. Um, they just stole a car. <laughs> um, well, it would be interesting to see to figure out how gaming worked in a world like that. Um, I mean, maybe it's coming from things like you know they've, they've started implanting these things into kids from a young age so that they grow up with the benefit of it, but that's affecting them in so many ways because. You know they they don't know necessarily what's real. Like they treat the they treat the augmented reality world as as real as the real world. Yeah, and I, I kind of like the idea of of analyzing a world in which you know the uh, the fact that Facebook has has like an age restriction 
of like 13 right. years and that sort of stuff. Actually being able to delve into into a world where they don't have that age restriction. So from birth, sort of like you've got parents who who add add their their kids straight away into social social networking and and um, so well, I everything mean, I think is. You know- I think in a world like this, like that would be, yeah, that would definitely be the case. You know, you start getting to the point, and Black Mirror has tackled this in a few different ways. That if if you're putting this technology that has cameras in their fucking eyelids um, from a very early age, then you can basically capture their entire life and go back and look at it and, yeah. and do different things. So, uh, but what I think what would be interesting is obviously if the cameras are in the eyelids because they're only meant for the augmented reality, then you only actually ever capture the augmented reality world. Oh, yeah, I like that. And so that's kind of maybe that's part of the resistance to it is well, we're not putting cameras on our eyelids, even if it does only capture the augmented reality world. But what? But people who do have that augmented reality world, like maybe it's because it, like the augment the AR is so ingrained that most people spend, you know, 95% of their time in there. Yep. So, one one way you can literally get away with crimes and things is doing them outside of augmented reality. Like, just keeping your eyes open. Okay, so, I've got I've got this idea, and it may go a little dark, but that's, that's okay. okay. So, okay. there's basically, I'm thinking in this sort of world, there's, like, a tra- um, easily transmittable computer virus, that mm-hmm. um, starts affecting people who spend all the time in in the augmented reality, in and that they yep. they start going a little bit crazy, and one or two of them turn up um, in the hospital, having cut their eyelids off. Oh God! Okay, and, and so the government pretty much um, come, come to come to this resistance to try and infiltrate um, this because they're the only ones they know uh, will not have been. Affected. Yeah, and cannot be affected, mm. and they basically give they give them some sort of um, special mission to to work out who who it is who's been creating this computer virus. And um, uh, I like that. Well, and I like the idea that, and again, that that's why halfway through, like maybe they figure out a way to protect against it, and so you can yep. get a special a special implant, like it's because it's actually it's a hardware exploit, right? Yeah. So they can't patch anyone else against it, but if if you're if you're getting a new implant, then they've got an, an upgraded version, um, which can't be affected by like they patched this exploit out of the hardware, and that's when you do get in like to solve. You realize to solve this mystery, you go you are going to have to enter the world of AR. Yep, and that's when and you that- can have you know the full on shift into into yeah exactly, and then you can start shifting back and forth. Oh, and I like that idea too of. Because, I mean, we haven't talked about gameplay yet, which is fine because this is just an awesome narrative world-building thing so far. Yeah. What are you thinking? Sort of like third-person adventure, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking- um, I'm or, even first, that, I'm, or even first-person, really, which obviously makes sense from an AR point of view, but you could still do the AR quite well with- You know, you'd obviously just overlay the world when you go into the AR mode. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to think either either third-person, because I do I do enjoy that- that. Um, Look in the Grand Theft Autos and that sort of stuff. Yeah, look, I, I, it's particularly if we've got a strong character, and I mean, we haven't talked much about the character themselves, but if we've got a strong character, then you, it's good to be able to see them. I think. 
Yeah. So I'm not thinking, you know, how I said before about the, um, the attack that happens early. I'm not thinking mm. a death or anything like that. I just think a, a sort of attack in which they, they end up injured, but you know, nothing, nothing too serious, but it sort of ingrains the whole idea that you don't, you don't trust people who are in augmented reality and then being asked to, asked to go into that world. You know, you got that sort of. Um, all yeah, the prejudice look, I, sort of thing against yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. I think we set it up early on that there's very much an aspect of, you know, it's- And like, you know, I, I think you're right that we should stay away from it being a religion as such, but the sense that AR is for sinners, right? Like, people go into AR because they want to, like, fuck each other while while having devil horns and fucking drag, dragon dicks or whatever yep. um, augmented over them. And again, like- so kind of super creepy. You just got these two people fucking with their eyes shut, but they're actually <laughs> oh, seeing each other God. with all this augmented over the top stuff. Like, but then, but then during that, that scene, visual. one of them just pull, gets a scalpel and just cuts their eyelids off. During, during, like as they orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I was more thinking. I, I kind of thought the idea of the virus was more that it it. Puts something into their AR that is that like it's so it's so frightening that they them, um yeah it drives them to the point of they um, they never want to be in AR again yeah that they they literally they, have to you know sort of cut their own eyelids off they're basically just to, trying just to, to just cut the Im- they're trying to cut the implant out yeah they're linked to AR and and I think you need to almost have one of the um one of the government guys the reason why he's he's so in, um, interested in in getting this um, fixed up is because he's actually afflicted. With the virus, and mm. he's barely holding on to sanity. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, so what could it be? Is it just that it alters the AR enough that you like basically don't know what's real anymore? Which is somewhat ironic, which works well for yeah. a thing like this. And and you can you know you could be seeing horrible images in um like your your family being attacked and that sort of stuff, but you don't actually you well, know you don't know whether that is actually true or, or not. And I like the idea that it, that it um. It makes your own thoughts appear like your own fears real in AR, right? Yeah. As in, it basically hooks into your brain, which you know, with the technology being as advanced as it is, there's probably some sort of brain control for whatever. Like, you, you, there's some sort of connection there into your yep. actual thoughts and memories. And so, yeah, this basically dips into your thoughts and memories to find your fears, and then alters the AR world around you to make them real. So it is things like you hear, you're hearing voices, you're seeing things only in AR, of course, but everyone is so, you know, attached to being in, in AR now that that's basically the real world to them. That, that so they, is they do, um, just they as real hear, as the real world. Yeah. They hear the, their loved ones telling them that they hate them or they cheated on them or that they're terrible or whatever, even though they haven't said it because they're just in AR all the time and it, they, all it has to do is like say it in their voice in the, uh, in the, in the AR world and they don't yep. know what to believe anymore. Oh God, that is so <laughs> fucking scary. That totally is a fucking Black Mirror episode in a game. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that, and we got all of that from Lid Upgrade. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I love how you can go on a good jog like that. Tuning director. Mm, okay, takes me to an orchestra off the bat, but you know what actually came into my head though. Mm-hmm. Remember the Left for Dead games? How you had um, Valve's widely mm-hmm. like celebrated thing, the AI the director. director. Yes, um, I kind of like the idea of something to do with that. Okay, 
So is tuning just coming in from the fact that, like, as you play, it tunes itself to your gameplay, or and we then, which means we get to just make up the game completely out of whole cloth, or are we going to take tuning <laughs> to be something to do with the game itself um, that this director is controlling? I, I, I think the AI director. It's controlling all the um all the enemies and how how it all works to to sort of determine how you're going in the game, but the tuning is actually sort of something from um remember that game Oxenfree? How yes, you had I to didn't, tune I your never radio finished in. it, but yes. Mm. So there's certain points in which you have to tune your radio in. So I'm thinking that you could actually have like a a sort of not necessarily a survival game, but maybe maybe a survival game in which yeah you're trying to get off this island. You got the AI director sort of throwing hordes and stuff at you, and you're trying to get to like a high point to um to I tune do the like, radio. Yeah, okay. I like the idea of a co-op survival game with first-person shooter aspects, or really some sort of combat-based aspects. Like, yep. yeah, basically a combination of Left 4 Dead and any game that has horde mode, right? Like, yeah. Because I know that Gears of War had a horde mode where you got to build like turrets and walls and things. But take that, expand it so that you, it's not just defensive stuff you're building. You're having to like build up your camp in that way that a lot of survival games do. And probably not as, obviously not as slow paced and in depth as those survival games. Cause you want to be able to, you want to be able to play through a mission in, I don't know, an hour or an hour and a half or yeah. something. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, I love the idea that you're on a randomly generated island. The AI director is controlling, uh, when the enemies come, how much. The drops, the um, the drops exactly like how many resources you have, what's available to you, based on how well you're playing to make it an exciting but achievable goal, basically. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking sort of like with the uh, like Left 4 Dead idea about, you know, if if you make it to a point and you manage to contact via this via this two way radio mm. the people to come come save you, that's when you know you got the massive hordes coming in and you gotta, yeah, you gotta you basically gotta survive yourself. for fifteen yeah, minutes or whatever while they yeah while they come. Yeah, and so you've got to have set everything up well enough by that point. Yeah. So to, to make sure you're gonna survive. I, I'm thinking that it's that could that could be one one way that these things sort of go. Mm-hmm. But there's there's maybe some some alternate sort of ways of, of calling in for help and that sort of stuff. Maybe yeah, one like, of them uh, one of them is uh, turning the lighthouse on. So yep. you make it to the top of the lighthouse and now you've got to fight your way down. Well, what could the be interesting, because I mean, in Left 4 Dead, it was basically pre made levels that had uh, things that were basically optional that the director could use. This is yep. what I assume. But hordes could come from, you know, this direction or this direction or this direction in, you know, these sort of different amounts. Um, this way could be blocked off, but this other way is open. You and had your mini boss enemies, you had your. Um- Huge fucking tanks that would come in every yeah, now and again. And they look, just- and they could, they could, they were depending on how well you were going, they'd come in at different points. I do like that idea, but I think, given that we're what at least 10, 15 years on from Left 4 Dead, and that this is a completely made up game, so we can do whatever the fuck we want. Yep. <laughs> um, that a, a purely procedurally generated level. Oh yeah. But I like your idea of different, um, different ways to contact. But I think the procedural level might have like one or two of those ways. And so you yep. have to seek them out. And so some of them are going to be more easily spotted. It's like, oh, there's a lighthouse over there. We can see it in the distance. We know if we turn that on or off, whatever, we're going to get help. But now we have to find our way to that fucking lighthouse in this procedural general and, level. And right? hope that the the globe is actually working. Yeah, well, that's it. There could be like subtasks then 
that are also randomly generated. Like, if you've got to the lighthouse with no problem at all, then the director goes, oh, you know what? There's no fucking globe in there. Now you've got to find, go find the globe. Um, and, and gives you a, gives you a clue to, oh, it's in the storage room, which is, you know, approximately, uh, three kilometers south, southwest or whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I love the idea of it being like three kilometers away. So, yeah. So you got to fight your way through. You got to survive. Like, there are hunger and thirst mechanics. Um, so you got, you're doing, you're hunting, you're laying traps or whatever. And I don't know if we're doing zombies or what, but, um, whatever the sort of actual threat is, fighting them off. I've been, I've been getting, uh, a bit more into the like Stephen King world, and mm. I like the idea of like a, a mist style creature. Okay, just sort of a, a Cthulhu esque abomination that yeah has lots of limbs and eyes and and so you and can things. basically have hordes of those. You can have like oh something like that something that's like a giant centipede that just came to my mind. But it's yeah. a giant centipede with human legs. <laughs> oh fuck me! <laughs> um, <laughs> now I'm just picturing a human centipede. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that too. It's like a human centipede, but they've all actually fused together. Um, but they still look like humans with with their mouths standing. on. on so it's butts. not like they're <laughs> they're standing. How does wait? How does that work? They're like interconnected through the body, like. <laughs> The body's all just connected together. So you've got lots and lots of legs really, really close together, like a really creepy conga line. But, but, <laughs> but the whole human centipede thing was that the mouth was attached to the butt. Yeah. Are, so- they, are they like 69ing? Is it- Is it, <laughs> is it like <laughs> this long thing that has all oh these legs God. on the bottom alternating oh with all these legs on the top so it can actually like crawl on the ceiling as well? <laughs> but it's all these people where it's like mouth to butt, mouth to butt, mouth to butt, like flip, 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 flip. Yeah, okay, done. <laughs> there you go. That's one of your enemies. Oh, Jesus Christ. That is the yeah. scariest, most- <laughs> Fucked up thing. Um, but no, I like that idea. It's sort of, it's that real Cronenberg style thing, right? Where it's sort of human-esque body parts put together in ways that uh, that don't make sense and so become really creepy. Yeah. It's similar to, a little bit similar to like Dead Space as well. Like that kind of had stuff like that where they were, they're vaguely human-esque, but with, you know, stretched limbs and claws and body parts that are that are obviously not, actually useful to them, but just sort of hanging out of them for whatever reason. So maybe, you know, depending on where you are, like you could, you could have the sort of mist coming in and mm. you can have normal sort of looking people, but then when the mist sort of hits. Or they may or may not. Yes. Turn so into so basically it's almost like a, um, well, you can go with the stand sort of idea that mm-hmm. certain people have got immunities to it and, well, or you know, like the thing, right? Like you don't know who is actually infected or, or I guess an actual, in that case, it was an actual creature or alien or whatever. Yeah. But but yeah, like it, it's just bringing in that tension of, yeah, I really is, like that idea. Is this that, NPC going to like turn around and bite your head off sort of thing? Yeah. So you can have NPC because, yeah, I like the idea then that because obviously we're thinking, oh, well, I was thinking co-op in Left 4 Dead style. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But that you can recruit NPCs along the way. And they can do a lot of the mundane work of like they go out and hunt and they build your camp when you need it and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so you can you can do it without them, but it's just more tedious and takes longer. But which is risky, which issues. is risky in itself. But yeah, then you've got trust issues that when this mist rolls in, you know that they could turn into a vicious creature. And I like the idea that. <laughs> 
potentially one of the player characters could be as well. Like, I think that's much less common, but possible. And at that point, like, for them to win, they literally have to kill everyone. <laughs> oh, it, it actually says you have been infected. Um, yeah, but nobody else knows until you transform. Oh, fuck. Well, yeah. well, I don't even know that. Like, it, I don't know that we want to do the whole the thing thing, the thing, the thing thing, um, where the per, like, if they're infected, that they know and they're actually working against the other people. I think it's more ju- that just that this, when this mist rolls in, that is the catalyst for a transformation if you have been infected by this thing. Yeah. And, and if you, if you are infected and no one else happened to see it, you know, when, when you were there, I, I like the idea that, you know, basically if you're, if you're away from someone and the mist rolls in, the first five seconds is, is a unintended transformation, mm-hmm. and then you can turn back. Oh. And so, therefore, if, if you were both so sort of- So, you can work against them in that you way. You can work against them you know. in that way. Well, you, you will mm. know, and then you can then- Well, okay, that's interesting, but actually, I kind of like the idea more that it is an unintended transformation. But it's permanent? Um, it's permanent while the mist is there, but then you transform back, so- you can still actually win if you like. You can still win if you're infected. In the traditional way, you can still survive yep. because if the <laughs> basically if your other teammates hold you off while the mist is in, then you transform back and then you're on their team again, <laughs> right? And now it would be tricky to give the right incentives, but I think you could manage it. That obviously to give them the incentives that if you're infected and you've transformed, now you are able to and want to. And they're incentivized to kill your partners, but once you're back, that incentive is gone, and, and they may still kill you. <laughs> the bigger incentive is to actually survive. But yes, they might decide that the risk is too high, so you have to convince them that you are still working for them to get everyone to survival and that you're useful. <laughs> yeah, but then then people are just going to not not want to attack. Well, but that's what I mean. I think. I think we need to figure out. We'd need to figure out enough incentive for. Does the AI director take over your character? Oh, maybe. Maybe it takes over for the most part, but you've still got some input. So, so, if, so if you're wa- if you're walking past and it sees something in its in its thing, uh, in its vision, the AI yeah. director may take over to to basically be the base instinct. Well, to try and not even jump that. Up. I think. I think. I think if if the mist comes in then yes, you, the AI director takes you over if you're infected. and But it's not just if someone comes. Like, it's now hunting down the other players, just like any other missed creature. Mm-hmm. But you have some influence over it, so maybe you can, like, tell it to attack one person over another or something like that. Like, you have some way of influencing who it attacks or how it attacks. Yes. Because then, yeah, that takes away- like, your goal as a player is still survive and get to the end. But now you do have that tension of it's too dangerous keeping you around. The other people might kill you. So, you do still have to convince them. But, of course, you can still take out NPCs and that sort of stuff. Like, Yeah, I, I guess I wonder, like, yeah, I, I guess I'm trying to figure out what that influence could be over that AI-controlled thing where it's where it gives them enough power to sort of help, to still somewhat help their team without just making it completely like that there's so, no risk so it turns anymore. into quick time events in which you can if you if you succeed at, at like a quick time event you you actually get to choose to spare and and go after someone well, else something like that maybe not a quick time event but some sort of skill based thing where and it might not just be to spare someone but it might be like to choose 
to attack an NPC over a player character yep. takes some sort of skill based test. I'm, I'm sort of seeing in my in my mind, you know, as you're attacking someone, you see one of those uh, pendulum sort of things, and when it when it's in the middle, mm. if you if you happen to click in the middle or on the on the edges, you know, you can basically have the swipes go out to the side, out to the side, and sort of miss miss the people. Yeah, or just yeah, again, I'd like choose to attack someone else versus the player character. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think there are some. I think you could make that work. Yeah. I do. I do really like that idea that the director takes them over for that period. But we're talking um, uh, like a one in one hundred chance of of your character being able uh, to be taken. Yeah, over. look, I think maybe not one in one hundred, but I think it's relatively rare. I don't think it. I don't think you'd want to. I don't think you'd play a hundred games and not see it. I think you'd play twenty games and not see it. So maybe like a one in twenty chance that someone that a player character is infected. Yeah, I think that would be sort of good odds. But yeah, most of the rest of the time you're just as a co op team surviving, recruiting NPCs. Who, who might be like they've got more of a chance of being infected? Oh, but yeah. obviously it's obviously it's it's easier just to kill them off if you decide that that's useful. Um, yeah, surviving and figuring out how to get help—that's awesome. And and I'm I thinking love that, that um, one of the one of the things I like about Fortnite, mm-hmm. also don't like about Fortnite, is they've got like weekly challenges. Mm. But the thing is, for Fortnite, you got to pay for those. Well, I'm thinking that this is this is actually just part of the game. There's weekly challenges of um, finish the game finish the game with you know having befriended 15 NPCs in the game. Yeah, well, and I think also just everyone, like, it could just be everyone gets the same seed, right? You play the weekly, ch- and a lot of different, like, uh, Binding of Isaac does this, and I know um, uh, Nuclear Throne did this as well. It's just everyone, like, there's a weekly challenge, and it's basically just pick a seed, and everyone gets that same seed for their procedurally generated island, and then it's whoever does it the best, whoever gets off the fastest, or, yeah, like, you could have separate sub-achievements of, do the weekly seed while befriending 15 NPC, like, well, and, and also saving 15 NPCs or whatever, yep. right? Like, um, extra challenges. Having, having a little commune. Um, I'm, I'm thinking sort of similar to, you know, the jetpack joyride sort of, uh, thing of kill, kill three NPCs with a shotgun. Yeah. You know, that, that's one, one of the things. And you, you get a, um, if you, if you happen to, you know, do that, you get, um, a certain amount of credits that you can spend on cosmetic items. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that sort of thing working. And maybe it's – so you're thinking that you've just got a few of them per game, basically. Like, it randomly selects yeah, kind of like three it- to five challenges per game – where if you do those things, you'll get some, some, but, but some sort of bonus. Just if you've, if you've played, like, the Jetpack Joyride and that sort of stuff, they're yeah, perpetual challenges, you've, but yeah. you only get, like, three per active at, at a time. time. Yeah, and you can kind of- you can skip them sometimes, or you can replace them out. Usually, they make you pay to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm yeah. thinking nothing nothing with real credits. I'm thinking in-game credits you can you can choose to skip, or um, if you've got three well, shitty ones I, no, I mean, I think it, because this is a, a sort of a round-based thing- I think it's just every time, again, based on the seed, you get these challenges and you either do them or not in that game. Yep. And the next game you get some new ones. Yeah. And, and it's, and it basically says, um, light the lighthouse within 15 minutes. Yeah. Something like that. Exactly. Like based on the types of ways you can, um, you can contact help or the, yeah. And again, the director controls all this, right? Like if you give the director enough intelligence, yeah. uh, around the different options. Uh, yeah, that's fucking awesome. I want to play the shit out of that game. Same here. Be scary as all fuck, especially seeing that fucking human centipede thing coming at you, but, you know. (laughs) Especially if it's, like, walking on the ceiling of a cave. Oh, shit. You knock it down and it's like it can't get up again. (laughs) Because it's got legs on the outside. It's just going... Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's coming... 
And and interestingly enough, the front of it isn't the front of a human, it's the back of a human. So its face is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> one big brown eye. <laughs> yeah. One big brown eye. An upside down human, by the way. So it's like the eyes are higher. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So okay. click. Yeah. Nia. Axe. <laughs> now we've had some good stuff with axes on yeah. this show. Nia axe. Maybe this one is a woodcutter who's afraid of axes. <laughs> <laughs> to get that joke, see- to, to get that joke, go see episode nine of Bitstorm when we had Inga Berman on. So, uh, that, that was a good one. Okay. Axe and Nia. So, I'm thinking that you play a character who's afraid of axe body spray- I thought of Axe Body Spray too. Because they sprayed it too near to their armpit. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, we're not Americans. So, here it's actually no. Lynx Body Spray, but. That's true. Well, what I was maybe thinking is this is a game where you are firing somebody who you really like, <laughs> like axing them from the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, maybe like a. It's your son in law. It's just, yes, totally. Well, okay, all right, all right. Let's take this. Let's let's use that as a jumping-off point, because I mean, you could make a whole game about firing somebody, but it'd probably just be some sort of dialogue tree. Like, that's basically just a dialogue tree. Yeah. But maybe this is a business management game, but with these aspects of working with family. Like, you are not only managing the business; you're managing your family relationships, and that's like an added aspect to this business management game. I feel like that's something that's not usually tackled. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think it would be. So, what sort of business? I'm sort of seeing it as maybe a furniture business. Okay. Okay. So you've got salesmen on the floor. You've got like manager. You got the manager. Well, you're the manager, I guess. Yeah. Because I'm. Tr- I'm trying to think if you want something that's got a fair few different roles that you can fill with family members or not. <laughs> so. What what I'm sort of thinking is like it's it's like one of those uh, theme hospital sort of isometric yeah. games, and yep. you being the boss is literally <laughs> you're you're locked in an office and you just got a computer screen that has that sort of isometric view and you can see <laughs> like the trackers that you've that you've implanted in all oh, your God. family members. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you probably want a better view than just dots on a screen. No, I'm, but I'm saying, saying that, that it's that that's you, you get a view that looks like something like Theme Hospital, but the idea is the framing of it is you're 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 hiding in your office. Yeah, yeah, okay. You just communicate by the loudspeaker over the over pretty the much show like floor. Um, you can. You can sort of ask someone to go over, over to you know fix up all the sheets in near the double beds. So whether they go or not depends on how much, um, you know, how many staff members they've got around them, <laughs> <laughs> and how many clients. And yeah, okay, I I like this idea of the balance between hiring a family member and thus increasing stats, basically, with your like standing in the family, but they might be shit. <laughs> yeah. Versus hiring someone who's not in the family when you are more sure of their ability and also are able to fire them with no repercussions. So the question is, is this like a mafioso family? So you've got that sort of <laughs> Oh jeez. <laughs> no, I don't, Money I don't laundering think, I think, and that sort of stuff. No. Nah, <laughs> I think I want to keep it more pure than that. I think it's literally just you have a big family, a lot of siblings, so you got a lot of nieces and nephews, you got a lot of cousins, and 
you're a successful business owner. So, of course, they all want you to set themselves or their kids up with jobs. Yeah. And but on top of that, you just make it uh, an interesting business management game, right? Like, I think this is just an aspect of this game. And sure, we can go with furniture store. So, you're setting up, like, here's the bedding department. Here's the, like, white goods department. I think it's a, you know, it's a big sort of department store. Sort of like sort a of Harvey thing. Norman or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, you got, yeah, you got beds, you got white goods, you got, um, you know, flat packed, put it together, uh, Ikea-esque dresses and things. Mm-hmm. Um, you got kitchen goods. And maybe there are different skills involved in all of those things. I don't, I don't know how you measure that. Um, but all your employees have, like, skills in either sales or, or like, packing, like, for- Backroom stuff. They like if they're strong, they can move beds around and and that sort of shit. Yep. Um, but yeah, then you've got this whole aspect of of the family, and I like the idea that like every week you have a family dinner or something, and that reflects your standing in the family. Like it's just a <laughs> short little scene, and it could either be like, yeah, everything's great, except you're really awkward because all of your family employees are shit, but the family loves you because you hired them anyway. Yeah. Versus your business is going really well, but the family fucking hates you <laughs> because you've like fired. <laughs> All their all their nieces and nephews. <laughs> plus plus your Uncle Gary. Like, come on, Uncle Gary. He's awesome. You can Everyone do Everyone loves chips. Uncle Gary, but he's as incompetent as Jerry on um Parks and Rec. <laughs> yeah. In fact his name used to be Jerry. Gary. But we, now, we just call him we just call him Terry now. Um yeah, that that's 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 fun. I like that. I like that addition. I, I feel like you could do some really cool stuff with that. Alright, one more. Yep. Or two. I don't know. We'll see how this one goes. <laughs> Three, two, one, click. My word is deck. Personnel. Deck personnel. All right. I see three different ways we could take deck. Mm-hmm. The house deck that you stand on and have a barbecue on. Okay. Deck of cards. Okay. Or to deck someone. Okay. I've got a fourth one. All right. Ensign, move to deck three. Oh, okay. That works well with personnel. So, like a starship or a just a regular boat ship. The boat, the boat, boat ship. That's what they call them, right? Yeah. I kind of, I kind of like this as as um, a very, very like proto Star Trek sort of game. Mm. In that you know you're dealing with early days, early days of starship travel. You're not actually in the Star Trek universe, but you know you've got that no. same sort of idea that the sort of world has come together, and you're you're traveling off into the stars. Um, yeah, so it's got- like that we've just discovered warp travel. Yeah, faster than yeah. light, at least faster than light. As to how that that would work and how fast you could get somewhere, I'm th- I'm thinking you know sort of instantaneous travel. Between between places, the whole idea of like the event horizon, you know, compressed two two points together, and then you know you instantly move move through. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think you start off. <clears throat> so do you get to build this ship then? Like, is this a kind of starship um, builder slash exploration game? I think it's an exploration game, but it's sort of sort of like. Sort of like uh, quantum leap in that you can't make your way home. The um, okay, basically the travel that that happens. We we always thought that you know we were able to calculate where we were where we were jumping to, but it turns out that we we can't actually calculate uh, with enough precision to actually know that we've actually made made it to the um to the place. So mm. you've got a limited yep. number of personnel, 
and you've got right. away missions and that sort of stuff. I'm thinking sort of like an XCOM sort of game. Sort of like XCOM combined with FTL. Yeah. So, yeah, I like this. I, I like the idea that <laughs> humanity's just got what, like, faster than light travel, like this instantaneous travel. Yep. So, the first thing they do is they just go, we're fucking going as far as we can go. Let's do this shit. And they get there and realize, oh, fuck, like, there was this particular limitation to fuel or navigation or whatever. We can't get back home. But they can seek out the resources they need to make further jumps locally. Yeah. Sort of, sort of like a Voyager sort of thing that they're 70, yeah. 70 years away. So, I, I like the idea Earth. that, yeah, that they- they're heading back home, and that's sort of where your FTL thing comes in, where it's like it's sort of roguelike. You've got a goal, which is get back home, and there's sort of a fixed way, like a fixed number of resources that you need to get there, a fixed distance. Yeah. But the way you get there is completely procedurally generated. And, yeah, it involves a lot of the Star Trek-ish stuff of your fucking first contact, right? Like yeah. you find new races of, of creatures. You you beam down to planets and to, to try to find resources- and come across alien life forms that are hostile or not. Uh, and again, like, and you know, you could have set pieces. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be fucking no, um, no uh, man's sky. No man's sky, where everything's procedurally generated. I'm thinking more of a yeah, more of an FTL or a Spelunky esque thing, where it's you. You just get things in different configurations, and and each thing has a certain amount of randomness to it. Yeah, I, I like the idea hmm. of there being limited personnel. On board, yeah, and that too, and that's almost that's a resource too, because um, you know you've only got X number of engineering staff, you've only got X number hmm. of security staff, you've only got X number of science staff. Well, I like um, the idea though that similar to FTL, FTL, given the right, given getting the right events, you could recruit people. Yes, uh, aliens. Uh, if you if you befriend the right races, basically, and- if you make your diplomatic <laughs> diplomatic check in in you know D and D parlance, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can you can maybe turn someone from hostile to being to being your friend. Yeah. Well, and given that you've got the right, like enough of a standing with them already, like if you've already killed three hundred of their, you know, fa- of their family or their race, then they're probably not going <laughs> to join your crew. <laughs> you know that you know they just they loved their bedding store, and you just went and axed their entire family. <laughs> exactly. Like if you just fired <laughs> all of those aliens from Blacks on Nine from your furniture store, then they're not going to come join your crew. As a fucking weapon specialist. And and then when they say that you axed them, you literally axed them in the face. <laughs> um, yeah, because look, we're pretty primitive still. We just invented warp travel. We still use axes as weapons. <laughs> also tools. That's how we fix the warp drive. We just ax it. <laughs> just hit it, hit it with an axe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining um, using the backside of the axe, just <laughs> tapping on the warp drive. <laughs> dunk, dunk, dunk. All right, I think we've got time for one more quick yeah. one. Three, Pick two, one. Click. Desperate. Dying. So, you're in high school, mm-hmm. and you desperately need to dye your hair. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else- is dyeing the hair, and you need to keep up with the trends. Okay, so what's in my head is a game in which you play out. Oh, you're a guy who has just been just been shot, 
<laughs> and you're living out your la- your final moments trying to trying to crawl your way to to your phone um, to, to huh? basically call nine one one. You're really yep. desperate to to like get to your phone. Yeah, and you're dying. You're dying. Um, so you know everything's sort of fading out. But as you're doing that, your life's flashing before your eyes, and okay. you're playing out. The- so are you th- yeah, you obviously get to play out these scenes from your life. Yes. All right. So obviously, very narrative sort of thing. Is this a home invasion, uh, or are you a police officer and you've you know, I, like I like shot the, the line idea of, of home duty? Invasion. I okay. really do. I like the idea of then home the, invasion. Then the character can be any number of things. Exactly. All right. That's interesting. So I think this would obviously have to be a pretty strict narrative. Yes. You thinking point click adventure? Um, third person act, like third person adventure. What are you? What's your kind of? Yeah. Um. I'm thinking sort of Might. heavy rain esque. Okay, okay. So sort of third person adventure yep. with, with maybe just some, basically mild interactions throughout your story. It's basically an interactive movie. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That, that could be fun. I haven't played Detroit Point Beyond Human yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, same here. I haven't bought it, but I plan on getting it at some stage. <laughs> and I plan on borrowing it from you. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that idea. So. Uh, I, I like the idea that you're basically you're telling two parallel stories at once. Yep. Because I think maybe instead of rather than just a plain random home invasion, this is someone you know. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe I like you don't that. know. Maybe you don't know that initially. They've like they've got a mask on or something, and so you're cutting back and forth between the bits where you're basically yeah you're like shot crawling along the floor, and this person's still there, and you're saying, like, why? Like, you're talking to them mm-hmm. and discovering a little bit about what happened there and then the flashbacks, basically, the life flashing before your eyes starts to put all that in context of leading up to that point, why this person hates you or wants to kill you. Yeah. And they're basically trying to make it look like a home invasion. So, I'm thinking some of the some of the flashbacks can just be a, a flashback to, you know, something that happened at school. So you Oh yeah, you're I think very on. Or- yeah, I think I think you go very early on and that's how you you're establishing the character then, right? Like this is still how you, how you tell the backstory of his character. But as you go on and as in the present you start revealing things about this relationship, you then flash back to sort of give them context. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going down this path again where we just lay out <laughs> <laughs> the very idea for what a cool narrative would be without actually going into the details of that narrative. So, do you have any thoughts on the details of that narrative? What? Who is this person? Why does this other person want to kill them? I, th- I think it's got to do with money. Usually does. Um, money or that, sex or love? Money, sex or love. Uh, I'm liking the idea that it's it's to do with, like, maybe a big inheritance. Okay, so they might be related to you in some way. Yes, so, mm-hmm. I'm picturing that it's actually your son. Mm-hmm. So, okay. basically, as you're going through, you know, you're, you're seeing maybe so the your birth grandmother's of your just died. Hmm? Your, your grandmother has just died and left you a huge inheritance. Or it's happened, but- you know, sort of soonish, you know, to, to the time. Uh, yeah. You've sort of- you can go back to a couple of days ago where you had a massive fight with your son saying that, you know, if he doesn't get his act together, he's going to be cut out of the will sort of thing. Mm, okay. Yeah. And that would, I mean, that would obviously be pretty close to the end <laughs> that, that you'd see that. It would expedite, pro- uh, 
it forward and that sort of stuff as to why is why it's happened so soon. Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah, I think that's somewhat of the reveal almost. Because yeah, I, I like the idea that, but you don't find out who it is until pretty close to the end, right? Yeah. Like there's a reveal, um, but obviously showing an argument with your son over an inheritance. <laughs> Like uh, after showing that you've you've inherited all this money is probably a pretty good indication that they did it. Um, but yeah, I like this idea then that that you, you start getting these flashbacks to yeah to very very early on. You know, maybe it's meeting your partner in high in high school or whatever. Going through like a couple of that, dates and well, I kind of like the idea that it's one of those relationships where you met in high school but you didn't actually get together for like ten years after high school, yep. and you kind of reconnected. So you sort of see aspects of that. You see yourself, you know, dating someone else in the meantime. You see the birth of your son, and yeah, I mean, I don't uh, how you how do you think these things play out? I mean, I guess like you said, just in that sort of heavy rain style, it's just a little vignette of a, 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 a fragment of this person's life. Yeah, and you can have sort of sim- simple puzzle mechanics in in you know the vignette of you know yeah, you're looking- it's like find this particular inventory item. Because someone told you to, basically. Yeah. Like, it's 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 not particularly taxing puzzles. It's just, it gives you something to do and walk around and, and feel like you're in control of this person. Yeah, and be able to read, you know, an article or two and sort of hear well, exactly. the, see the things that yeah. are going on in the outside world. And Yes, and also, you know, maybe there's a bit of an internal monologue where you get the sense of how this person then reacts to those things in the outside world or the things that are going on in the scenes with the, with their partner or whatever. I, I kind of like the idea that it's it's set in the United States. So yes, considering the gun violence, yep. that uh, makes but, sense. But the um, one of the one of the threads that that can sort of happen is you come from old money, sort of thing. Mm, but okay, yep, your yep. estranged brother is actually the president of the United States. <laughs> okay, so you okay. don't find that out straight away. But okay. it's sort of it's sort of like um, And they're estranged because they're an insane millionaire. With, no, with I'm I'm thinking Cheeto sort of hair. sort of like any any time that you watch like American TV, a lot of the time well, not any time, but most of the time. <laughs> Anytime um, you watch American TV, their brother is the president. <laughs> yeah. Um no, the you're in sort of like an alternate reality where yeah, the current yeah. president is is not the current president. Yes. Okay, that's fine, yeah. Plus, you know, you can set this in the nineties or even you know earlier or something like that. But yeah. the the idea that that's some of the story that you're reading about about this this senator sort of coming uh, this up and coming senator, and then later right, on, right? Okay, so in the present day, of course, they're president. But yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It just sort of and, adds a little bit of extra. Well, and then because to then it. you can talk about the yeah, then you can talk about the relationship between. Uh, the brother and and the play the main character as well and look you could that could even be a red herring of you lead them, you lead the actual player down the path of thinking it's the brother and and the whole thing could come down to you know it's it's a fight over over a partner maybe maybe mm. the the um, oh so it actually ends up being about love rather than money it it, it, it well you think you, you oh, go down the, well, the line that it could actually be about about well love no what you do. Especially, look, if, if you're David Cage, what do you do? Multiple fucking endings. This person <laughs> who's who's shot you, they've got a mask on the whole time. It could be any of them, depending on how you play the game. It could be the brother. It could be the son. It could be the partner who, you who like, the other people love, and they're killing you to take to get your inheritance and run off with whoever else, with the, the brother, brother. <laughs> or something. Yeah, like- Okay. 
Yeah, it, it, I think it, it could actually I be think, it could actually be your grandmother in in disguise if you if it could you're like be your real. grandmother. It's like you're never getting my fucking money, bitch. I'm keeping it all by myself. I'm living forever. <laughs> I fake my death exactly. I don't like the way you've been spending it. I'm taking it back. Bam! Shot to the head. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I, I like, like that idea of multiple endings. I like the idea of a masked antagonist, and and obviously in between all these flashbacks, you're having basic probably just basic dialogue trees, but. You're having conversations with this masked protagonist. With like a ghost face killer sort of thing from screen that they've got a voice well, changer. Something. And- well, maybe. Or even I'm just, th- I was just thinking about the Clava kind of thing. But yeah, I guess a voice changer so that you're not giving it away. But, but yeah, like. Or, or so that you didn't know who it was. They're only connected, uh, talking to you via like a um, text to speech sort of program. So you get that like Stephen Hawking sort of sound. Right. I mean, I think just a speech. A um, disguising thing would be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one or the other. Anyway, we disguise the speech, of course. But yeah, based on the decisions that you make, I mean, presumably at some point the game decides who what the ending is that you're going to have. Yeah, and starts giving you hints towards that. Um, I, I, I like that would be incredibly complex to design, and I don't know how you, how you do that. But, but yeah, at the end you get a reveal. You kind of have like a butterfly effect ish sort of. Yeah, well, that's it. Things that you ch- that you choose in the past affect what happens in in. I mean, I think the way you probably do that is up to a certain point. You keep all the conversations ambiguous, but have have sort of little isolated areas that you can do different things in that maybe shove some variables in one direction or another. And then there's probably some sort of decision point where it's locked into an ending. Yeah, uh, I'm, which I'm means from that point of- on, you can hint towards it, but. I'm liking the, the idea the that in in the um in the flashbacks there can be certain decisions in which you know it's very black or white sort of exact well yeah yeah exactly or at least somewhat dark gray or or like mother of pearl white yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're not quite black and white take the dog around the back and shoot it in the head with a shotgun because <laughs> it's got rabies or give it, give it a pound of bacon <laughs> or hand it off to your brother who then gets bitten and gets infected with rabies. <laughs> And that's why they killed you. It's all just the disease. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think that's really cool. David Cage, call us. I don't know how Detroit Beyond Human's going, but given your track record, you probably need another cool idea to get people excited over. So we've got it. I know. I've, I've actually heard really good things about Detroit Beyond Human compared okay, to I Beyond so. Two Souls. Well, that's fair. Yeah, look, I didn't mind Beyond Two Souls, but- it could have had a lot of improvements. Yeah. So, and I'm I, and I would to have liked spoiler, spoiler, spoiler for um, Heavy Rain to have more than one killer. I never played through it more than once, so Sean. I just assume it had thirty. <laughs> Sean, Jason. Sean. <laughs> I think we will end it there tonight. Thank you for joining us this week on Bitstorm. If you want to find us online. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as BitStormCast. We have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash BitStorm. We're on YouTube. You can search for us on BitStorm or point, click, repeat on there. We are on Podchaser at podchaser.com slash BitStorm. Leave some reviews, rate us, do all the things. While you're doing that, jump onto iTunes and leave us a rating and review there. We've also got a website, BitStormCast.com. We'd like to plug our friends at the AGPN, the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. Search for hashtag AGPN on Twitter or look for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook. Finally, we'd like to thank our band, Crudust, for the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. And I did check 
We are in the new Google Podcasts app as well, so you can listen to us there if you're on Android. So that's cool. One day we'll be on Spotify. Eh, fuck them. So <laughs> thank you again for joining us this week on BitStorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. When I close my eyes, I can see your pee-pee. <laughs> in AR. <laughs> <laughs>